Amen. Remain standing. Tonight I would like to invite you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. I don't know if you have realized it or not, but we're about to finish the book of Isaiah. Um, and we are on chapter 65, uh, beginning from verse 17 to 25 tonight. This is the word of God. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build uh, and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with, the, with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in, in all my holy mountain says the Lord. What a picture. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, as we now come to the preaching and the exposition of your word, especially con considering the new heaven and the new earth that you will establish for us, your people, to dwell with you, our God, forever. We ask you to once again give us eyes that would see and hearts and minds that would understand this uh, wonderful vision that Isaiah saw and received from you, our God. Increase our joy through the preaching of your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you long for heaven? To dwell in the new world that the Lord God is going to make for us. The Bible 
calls it the new heaven and the new earth. Our forever home. In verse 17, Isaiah received this vision from God, this message, this prophecy. For behold, God said, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. God told Isaiah, tell my people, Proclaim to my people that I am going to create the new heaven and the new earth for my people. Where my people and I will dwell together. In the book of Revelation chapter 21. The book of Revelation chapter 21. We read this same um, Promise from God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had, had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, God was speaking, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. How many of us long for this day? How many of us long for this heavenly city? Everlasting home that God is going to create for us. And how does the new heaven and the new earth will look like? Do you sometimes wonder about that? You sit in your um, dining room or at the porch and do you uh, reflect on heaven? Do you think how uh, the new heaven and the new earth is going to look like? You know, there are people who publish books about, about them visiting heaven. Even meeting Jesus Christ in heaven and how the angels like waiters will uh, serve them in heaven for 24 hours. I'm sure you have seen books like that, like that. Well, the Bible is very clear about that. No one has been in heaven except one, our Lord Jesus Christ, John 3:13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who was descended from heaven, the Son of Man. I'm not recommending those books to you tonight because they are not true. No one has been in heaven except Jesus. And thanks be to God, though we don't know everything about the new heaven and the new earth that we all long for, 
the Lord has revealed to us some glorious truths about it, how our forever home will look like. And tonight we come to the book of Isaiah in the portion, uh, the book of, uh, in the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah addresses us, addresses God's people about heaven, especially how the new heaven and the new earth will look like. But you know, seeing the opening of the book of Isaiah, you know, you open chapter 1, and then you read verse 1, where Isaiah uh, says, the vision of Isaiah, the son of uh, Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He's speaking about this tiny nation by the name Israel. And Isaiah writes about, about God's purpose for this nation 27 centuries ago. Judah and Jerusalem's sins, the consequences of their sins, and how God dealt with them because of their sin. This is a tiny nation, Israel. They were to be a light to the nations. In Isaiah 49, verse 6, that's what God told them. Isaiah 49, verse 6. Listen to what we already studied. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light to as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. God called the people of Israel to become light for the nations around them. But we all know Israel failed. Because in Isaiah 3, 8 and 9, Isaiah tells us, For, for Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord. Define his glorious presence for the look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. These are a people whom God called to be light for the nations. And instead they become light. They became what? Darkness for the nations. If you keep reading, you will quickly realize that the scope, the extent Isaiah has to say is much bigger than God's dealing with this tiny nation Israel. If you have studied the book of Isaiah very carefully, the book of Isaiah, Israel as a nation and how God dealt with them, their history is a big picture of the sins of God's people everywhere. Jews and Gentiles. 
Israel just serves as a picture for us, as an example for us. We see that in Isaiah 24, Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1 to 5, that's what we see. Behold, the Lord will, uh, will empty the earth and make it desolate, and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the slave, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, with the debtor. The earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and withers, the world languishes and withers. The, higher, the highest people of the earth languish. The earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. The whole earth, not just Israel, the whole earth, all peoples in the world have broken what? The everlasting covenant. You know, he's taking us back to the garden. Where our father, Adam, broke the covenant with God. This is the history of God's people. Both Jews and Gentiles. And that breaking of the covenant, the everlasting covenant, resulted the expulsion, removal of Adam and Eve from the garden. Then Isaiah speaks of the Redeemer who will come to redeem and restore his people to God. One who will bear the sins of his people and reconcile them with God. We see that in Isaiah 53, verse 1, 5, and then verse 12, where Isaiah tells us the suffering Messiah will bear the sins of his people on himself. And he will intercede on behalf of his people that God would have mercy on them. We have been looking into that newness through Christ, through his resurrection and death and resurrection. We have looking at that newness of life in chapters 40 to 65. Let me refresh your mind what we have seen so far. The new name that God gave to his people in Isaiah 62, verses 1 and 2. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And he shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. What is this, this new name? The people of God. God's people. And in a new heart that Christ gives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then a new covenant 
he inaugurates by his own blood on the cross. Then, beloved, a new song that he gives to his people. A new song that he puts in our mouth, calls us to sing it as a church. Listen to what God told his people in Isaiah 40, 9 to 11. Isaiah 40, 9 to 11. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. How? By singing. Because God gave his people new song. I always tell you, every time we come to church, we have this marvelous privilege to sing unto the Lord. To sing and praise our God through singing. Where did we, where, where did we get these songs from? From God. Psalm 43. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Do you know when we sing in the church a new song? Together. Do we know we encourage people? We cause people to put their trust in God. To have confidence in God. Our songs are a gift from God. And do you know in all this newness, all, uh, all this newness, heavenly power that Jesus brings upon us, his people, by giving us a new name, a new covenant, new song. All these things will be culminated in the vision that Isaiah gives us here in chapter 65, verse 17 to 25. What we have before us is a beautiful picture of what the new heaven and the new earth will look like. Three things briefly. The new heaven and the new earth, brothers and sisters in Christ, it will be a place of an everlasting joy. It will be a place without tragedy. And it will be a place of total satisfaction. Think about that. It will be a special place. First, it will be a place of an everlasting joy. Listen to Isaiah in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be gladness. In the new heaven and the new earth that God will establish for us, there will be joy, but it will not be a fleeting joy. It will, it will not be a brief joy. It will not be uh, a joy for a little while. 
a joy that depends on circumstances. Notice what kind of joy it is. Everlasting joy. Unceasing joy. Everlasting joy. How? How come? Because of verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former thing shall not be remembered or come into mind. When we enter into this new heaven and new earth, we're not going to remember what we left behind. They will be forgotten. They will not come into mind. We will not remember them. Our joy will be full. Our joy will be complete. That's why you see, when I began preaching tonight, I asked you how many of you long for heaven. Complete joy, full joy. Do you remember the Apostle John in 3 John 1, 4? He saw all his children in the faith walking with the Lord. Remember what he said? I have no greater joy, he said, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. If John, the Apostle John, said, I have no greater joy in seeing my children in the faith, walking in the faith, being here in the world, talking about men and women and children who are walking with the Lord, how more greater joy will be the joy of our God to see the redeemed people in the new heaven and in the new earth. Listen how God describes his own joy. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem. Not only us, our God also will rejoice with us. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Both our God and you and I, his people, will rejoice and our joy will be full, complete, perfect. We don't have perfect joy in this life. From time to time we go through a time of sorrow, a time of grief. Not in that city. Not in the new heaven and the new earth. I remember after my, my daughter Jokabit got married. And then they had their own apartment. And they invited us to visit them. That was the first time for me to go to an apartment where, you know, my married daughter was living. I came in. I can't describe the kind of joy that I felt inside of me. Inside of me was saying, you know, finally, I did it. My, my daughter is in her own apartment. She's a wife. I was, I was rejoicing. I was saying, I have accomplished something in life as a father. 
But she didn't, she didn't even own the apartment. She was renting it. But I was rejoicing. This is an everlasting home with a perfect joy. You see, the greatness of this joy, it is not a rental house. It would be a new world, new heaven, and new earth that God will prepare for us. And all people, all people whom we love and care for, who have gone before us, they will be there with us. It, was a, it will be a wonderful reunion, and our God will join us in rejoicing. I will rejoice and be glad in my people. Special place. Do you long for that? This joy is a reminder for us that what God will do is secured for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus was dying on the cross in Hebrews 12, 2, the writer of the Hebrews tells us Jesus endured for the joy that was set before him. What joy? This joy. As he was dying, he was rejoicing because through his death, through his uh, atoning work on the cross, you and I will be in this place, new heaven and a new earth. So he was not thinking about his suffering and the way he was dying, but he was rejoicing in what was coming because of his death. That's why the writer of the Hebrews said he was rejoicing for the joy that was set before him. He was already rejoicing. John 15, 11. Jesus says, say, these things I have spoken to you. What things? That I will be raised from the dead. I'll be ascended to heaven. And I will come back and take you to the place where I am. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. And listen to this. And that your joy may be full. Not so and so, so so. Not, you know, half joy, but full joy, complete joy. Because in the new heaven and the new earth, there will not be any sound of weeping and distress. At this time, we leave ourselves in this world that is filled with sorrow and distress. I couldn't remember the title of the book, but I can still remember what I read in the book. A Christian, the writer, was describing his sorrow and joy here on earth. And this is how he described it. Islands of sorrow in the midst of Oceans of joy. Islands of sorrow in the midst of ocean of joy. That's the true picture of the Christian life. In John 16, 22, Jesus says so also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice, 
and no one will take your joy from you. When I die, you will be in sorrow. You will lose hope. But my resurrection will bring another, uh, 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 a greater joy in your hearts. But then greater joy will be yours in heaven. No more will be sorrow, weeping, and distress. So beloved, the new heaven and the new earth will be a place of joy, everlasting joy. Secondly, it will be a place without tragedy. A place without tragedy. Listen to Isaiah in verse uh, 20. No one shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. Very challenging verse. It sounds like in the new heaven, in the new earth, there will be death. That's not what Isaiah is saying. Isaiah is making this statement in reference to what goes here in this world. In this world, people die. In this world, people can be in distress. There are sounds of cry and sorrow and distress in this life. But not in afterlife. Not in the new heaven, in the new earth. In the new heaven and a new earth, there will not be death. There will not be sorrow. There will not be tears. There will not be tragedy. In the new heaven and the new earth, there will not be cancer. There will not be miscarriage. There will not be sorrow, death, war, famine. All this will be gone. No tragedy in the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away tear from, your eye, from our eyes, and there shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the new heaven and the new earth. This is not, you see, the, you know, the, the, the millennium, you know, the thousand years of Christ's reign. That's not what Isaiah is talking about here. There are Bible teachers who interpret verse 20 as if it is the thousand years where Jesus will rule. Can you imagine Jesus ruling before his uh, final um, um, arrival, uh, he rules for 1,000 years, and they say it would, be, it would be still good, but still people will die. Imagine Jesus ruling in glory and people dying. Do you want to live in a world like that? That's not what Isaiah is saying here. When Jesus returns, he will make, he will create the new heaven and the new earth for us. And in that new heaven and new earth, there will not be death. There will not be tragedy. Notice the picture that he gives us here. 
in verse 21. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant, uh, plant vineyard and eat their fruit. No tragedy but blessing and joy will be in that new heaven and new earth. Lastly, it will be a place of full satisfaction. A place of full satisfaction. Verse 22, they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. This happens here in this world. But not in the new heaven and the new earth. Verse 23, they shall not labor in vain or bear children in calamity. Children are not going to die. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. So there will be full satisfaction. In this new heaven and new earth, people will be fully satisfied, fully content by, by what God will give them. And verse 25, verse 24, uh, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. You know, here in this life, we always pray as God's children, yes? Sometimes we wonder if our prayer really gave sense to God, if our prayer was righteous, if our prayer was right. Sometimes we wonder, I prayed, but was by my prayer appropriate? In the new heaven and the new earth, before we even speak, before we even pray, God will hear our prayers. God will answer our requests. Why is that? Because we'll be perfect. Our prayers, our songs, our worship, they will be perfect. Different life. And then finally, the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and, the da and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Now, don't ask me how this will be possible. I have no idea. But we'll be, we'll be sitting together with lion. Lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. You know what uh, you know, Isaiah is telling us here is God is going to do something that you will not comprehend. That you are not prepared for. You will see a lion in the new heaven and the new earth. But that lion will be your friend. And our God will do this for us. So beloved, the new heaven and the new earth will be a place of an everlasting joy. It will be a place with no tragedy. And it will be a place of full satisfaction. So let me ask you this. Do you long to be in this place?
It has already started in us. It has already started in us because the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It has already started. It's only a matter of Jesus preparing, creating the new heaven and the new earth for us. We are already new creation. And as new creation in Christ Jesus, we will enter this new creation, new world, the new heaven and the new earth will dwell with our God, with our Savior, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, O Lord, thank you for the preaching of your word. Thank you for the promise of heaven. As your children, we long to be in that place. We long to dwell in that place forever where joy is full, joy is complete, where there is no tragedy, and where we'll be fully satisfied. We long to that day that you will create the new heaven and the new earth for us. And until you do that, help us to continue our journey toward heaven by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, who opened the gate of heaven for us. In his name we pray. Amen.